Why not us? That's my big takeaway. Welcome back to the morning shift, by the way. Triple in for uh, Tiffany. Now, normally I take these uh, introductory press conferences with a with a grain of salt. Yes, there's some optimism. Yes, blah, blah, blah. They say all the right things. There's an energy, an enthusiasm. But, you know, the bottom line is uh, winning. But I did like what Raheem Morris said with those three words yesterday, gentlemen. Why not us? I, I, I loved it, too. And I, I loved how... It, listen, being in that room yesterday was – it was interesting because it was tense. There was a lot of tension. It was very – this is my first time I've ever been to an introductory press conference. Really? There was a tension? Squid, you detected I, I, For me, because I've never been to one. Oh, well, I've never been to one. So, being in there, it's very professional-like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Obviously, it's very professional-like. And it was like he, he almost stepped into a – for a football guy to step into a room that that's – you know, that, that's that professional, it it it, it – it's weird for me, and I know it was weird for him because at one point he's like, man, you guys are tense. You need to loosen it up in here. And I think, look, there's there's a couple of things to be said about that. Yes, most everyone was dressed to their Sunday nines except for a couple of people, uh, me. And then uh, one guy, speaking of tense, Raheem Morris called out a member of 92.9 The Game. Uh, and this guy apparently, you know, Mark Zeno, he apparently uh, he, he, <laughs> he drove his Honda Shadow to the press conference. <laughs> You got your scully on. You're really intimidating. That's what Raheem said about Mark Zeno. And if you've ever co-hosted the show, I think some people some some people would probably you know agree with those sentiments. It, it, Terry actually told Steak he was the best dressed guy in the room. Uh, and and Steak, you know, Steak's there in the blazer and the and the plaid and everything else. So but let's address the elephant in the room, though. The the relationship off the record with Arthur Smith and the media was very good. Yep. Arthur Smith did a lot of things to. Uh, to to embrace you know to, to the media to embrace him. They did these one on one things where they would they would have uh, little events where it would be media only, and and Arthur Smith and and, and uh, Terry would be there and they would talk with you and it was cool stuff off the record. Arthur would always talk to people off the record after press conferences. Um, you know he he took Arch and I a couple of times uh, in the preseason and we we talked and. I got to sit down and watch film with him one day uh, before a preseason game, and he was very, very cool about that kind of stuff. But in those press conferences, they were tense, and they would get hostile a little bit where he would call you guys in your fantasy football stuff. And so I think that is the condition right now for NO's press conference settings. Not to mention, you know, everyone, uh, the opening one, everybody, there's, there's, you got media that's not always there. See, a lot of people that aren't there every week are at those kinds of press conferences. Right, they parachute in just for that occasion. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it was a little tense yesterday. I, I, it was just, it, it was intriguing to me watch the entire thing. To be honest with you, Rob, because you've been at, you've been in these before, and everybody, you know, identify yourself and ask your question. And I'm sitting in the like, me and Squid could not have been further from the podium. Like I was like, let's sit in the very back. I had a camera lens. <laughs> Uh, TV camera lens over the top of my head. That's how far in the back. We Not are. like in Alabama, Nick Saban wants you to sit in front of the class. <laughs> I did. Not yesterday. <laughs> we talked about this yesterday. We talked about one of my former teammates that uh, actually used to sit front and center in the class. Used to. I, I didn't sit in the back of the class. But I didn't sit front and center either. Uh, you just kind of blended in. The kinda, yeah, right. You know, off to the side a little bit. Uh, but it was it was interesting being in that, and he went back and forth with our friend Allison, a town uh, one of Tiffany's yeah. good friends. Say, hey, Allison, you know, talk to her kind of during the thing. And Allison Mastrang- Mastrangelo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mastrangelo, Mastrangelo, lovely one, yeah. lovely you one. You guys, you guys nailed it. 
I don't. I'm not even trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love Allison. Uh, they just he did such a good job of I think warming the room to to his temperature and him talking about. Uh, I first of all, I don't know how he didn't get choked up talking about his family in the beginning about how excited he was and he's pointing over to his wife and and I was almost like getting to the point where I was getting choked up. He's talking oh, about yeah. his 13 year old daughter, eight year old daughter, and I think I can't remember all his son. His son's was. the youngest, didn't he? Son's yeah, the youngest. Jalen. Right. Yeah. Jaylen, and, and I'm sitting there looking at him going. Man, I don't know how he's holding it together talking about oh. them, but this is a guy who's he's been in this spot before. I'm tearing so. up looking because I'm thinking about my daughter up I know. I, I do that the about same way. Dads and their daughters, man. And then he looks at his dad. Dad ain't known. She's got, what, 17 kids? <laughs> <laughs> he's got a squadron of them. And then he starts talking about his parents being there, and now yep. special ed is. I, I was like, man, this guy has really he's found the temperature of this room and has warmed people up to, to his personality, which I think is a huge deal in that setting, and I think he was able to successfully do that. I watched uh, – that's who he is, though. That None of that was fake. I got to watch him for years when he's on the staff, you know, right. traveling with the team. And I remember the 16 season we played – it was 16 or 17. I want to say it was 16. I could be off. It doesn't matter. It was one of the years we went to the playoffs under that regime, and we played Carolina on a Christmas Eve or or, or the 23rd, whatever. And – he um he got the wide receiver room because he was coaching them at the time, Christmas sweaters, and they wore them into the game and they left the game on the plane and they were just the, the energy and the laughter between him and all those guys and how how much they loved him, and you saw that guy yesterday up there on stage. So that, that's uh, I'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of a nice segue into what he did down in uh, Tampa Bay. This is 15 years ago. He's a very very young man. Was he 34? Finished up 21 and 38, 3 and 13 his first year, 10 and 6, second year. Then the wheels fell off, 4 and 12 as a third and final year. They lost 10 straight games following a 4 and 2 start. Defensive minded coach. They're near the bottom of the league and uh, defensively against the pass and the run. And it seems like he seemingly lost the locker room. Was he too buddy buddy with him? Is that something he needs to uh, kind of change around? I think with uh, age comes wisdom. I don't, Hopefully. I don't know if it was that he was too buddy buddy with them. Uh, that is certainly things that came out of there. What I will say is this guy was thrust into a mess because John Gruden made a mess of it because Rich had gone. Josh Freeman was the well, quarterback. Well, you had the quarter. Yeah, Josh Freeman. But, they had no veterans on that roster. They yeah. didn't want to spend money on free agency either from what I remember. They wanted to build through the draft. The team was extremely young. He had never even called defensive plays in the NFL. In the NFL. He did it in college, but not in the NFL when he took over that job. In fact, he had just become, just become right? the D coordinator yep. in that off se- early in that offseason, and then Gruden's fired. I think it was in May or June. So, as much as we want to talk about what he didn't do, it was a very fast moving and unfair situation in some ways. Did, I, I, I'm so shocked you didn't go this route because this is one of the the bigger things that one of the bigger takeaways. And sometimes it's about what you say, and sometimes it's about what you don't say. How many times yesterday, Squid, sitting in that room, and I know you listened to it too, Rob, did Raheem Morris reference the relationship between Sean McVay and Les Snead and how much he envied that working relationship? Man, I I used to tell Sean McVay all the time, man, I love the relationship between you guys. Man, I'm so envious of the relationship between you guys, the working relationship, the collaboration between you guys. And then he kind of molded that into talking about the collaboration with Terry. I thought they're going to slow dance to a, a quiet storm song. But, but listen, <laughs> but if you listen closer, Rob, what is he? What is he talking about? He's talking about his own prior experiences 
in that head coaching role and maybe what he hasn't seen before. Be it, be it maybe with maybe with when DQ and Thomas were here, yeah. but definitely what he seems to have felt down in Tampa. And when he talks about Sean McVay and Les Snead, he's not saying that you know all his experiences were bad, but they weren't to the level of Super Bowl caliber like he saw out in L.A. And I thought that was a really interesting point yesterday. Kind of throwing subtle shade at yeah, what happened. I, I really, I felt that way. It kind of was a baptism by fire with him down there. By focus is on the record, but why was it that way? And what happened down there because of it? There are a lot of contributing factors that were out of his hands. Well, you know, you, you know he can have a winning season there, Rob. He showed that. He showed even he with Josh Freeman. Season. Yeah, Look. even with Josh Freeman, it was a mechanically a mess. But the thing is, could it also be on Raheem Morris? Josh Freeman didn't know how to prepare. That was the big knock. He did not understand what it took to prepare for a football game. He thought he did, but he didn't. Yeah, and I think that's the problem when when you have a guy that's so young, right, as a head coach, that he's still learning how to prepare as a head coach. And now, whoever I, I don't even I can't even tell you who the OC was that ye, those those years in, down there. But that would have been their their job to help Freeman prepare as the OC. But remember why they didn't make the playoffs in 2010 when he went uh, 10 and six. Because the Falcons and the Saints, if I'm not mistaken, both went yep. uh, either 13 and three and 12 and four, or both 12 and four, or something like that. Yeah. But th- that was the year Falcons lose to the Packers. Yep. Uh, the Saints lose in the wild card. The greatest game mistaken. ever quarterbacked by Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. That year. The greatest game ever quarterbacked. That's back when the NFC South was regarded as the best division in football. Yeah, and they were that year. They were. They were. No For a doubt. few years running, they're, they're regarded as the toughest.